Hello and welcome to my show. Could you be more specific? I'm your host, Jonathan Steele, coming to you by the way of the Stave Walk Podcast. And on this episode of Could You Be More Specific, I'm going to title it, Are You Paying Attention? So, and the topics I want to cover is the recent news that's going on with Gucci and Prada and some of the uh, uh, the blackface items that they recently put out. And then I'll also kind of try and weave that on in into how uh, Nick Cannon fits into that. But I know that story starts mostly with T.I. And then I'm also going to then uh, touch on a bit of the NBA. I know they just had a bit of their, I know they just had their uh, NBA uh, tread deadline. So I just want to touch on that, you know, in regards to the league and how, and how fascinating the NBA has been lately. But uh, I'm going to start first with the uh, Gucci and Prada situation now. I know they recently had um, a couple items or multiple line items that were depicting uh, blackface imaging that's been, you know, historically with uh, us for for decades now in terms of uh, the imagery that's used to depict black people in a negative light. For Gucci and Prada to do this, it's really nothing that's something that, you know, we haven't seen before. Obviously, we've heard and seen through whether it's clothes or shoes or any items a lot of times that are consumed by predominantly black people uh, even if they're a name brand they'll take the, the credibility that it adds with that and the fact that you know when certain when you know black people wear certain stuff it makes it cool so if it's going to make their product money they'll go along with it but it still doesn't change the way how they feel about you and a great example of that was with Crystal, Crystal, yes, had been around for years, and they were known to a very high elite society type group, but they weren't really doing as well business-wise as they did years prior. And then the moment that Diddy and Jay Z got behind them and started promoting that and started featuring in their songs, that's when they saw a huge hike. Well, they made a comment around the time, and I believe it was in the early two thousands, uh, early to yeah, about maybe was it. 05 around that time maybe 04 something like that that they didn't make their their product for the hip-hop community to consume and promote it and then they took a huge hit and then once they saw that they took a huge hit then they try to make amends and send out apologies and and try you know and build that relationship up again and and then that's when someone like jay-z just started his own brand and started doing ace of spades and and then you had Diddy come with uh, his vodka, uh, with Ciroc. So, you know, you move on from those brands. And so um, to see, say, someone like T.I., who's been heavily now promoting a lot of black clothing designers and brands on supporting them. I know he put out an IG live video to address, you know, uh, our, our buying power. Uh, not just in terms of what we consume as a community, which uh, is very viable, but how we, by us consuming it, it dictates how other people consume it. So he did a really good thing by promoting other black brands who will have clothing lines. And that's another thing, too, is that if someone doesn't want you to eat at a certain restaurant or drink a certain product or 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 anything that deals with consumption, if they don't want your dollar, then allocate it somewhere else and help a brand with people that actually help, you know, build your community up and help create new avenue, new revenue for people that are in your community. 
they're not going to be missing anything. You know, that was something that Killer Mike kind of touched on with his secret trigger warning, which if you haven't seen that show, you should see about how to spend money and, and recycle the black dollar. And he covered that very well on how long it stays in the community, which is an average of six hours. But uh, I know you got sites like WeBuyBlack.com that's trying to do a, a, a better job of or making an effort to try and, you know, let you know about black businesses so you can help consume them and support them. Um, but this whole, you know, begging or wanting to wear a brand who doesn't really want you, it's like, to me, it's just, it's, 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 it's pointless. I've never been a big Gucci or Prada person. I've never understood it. Um, even with a lot of the name brands, you know, the fact that that's now promoted mostly, it, it kind of goes back to how we've been so programmed to want to wear Gucci or Prada to where that's considered normal, but then say someone like Soldier Boy, you know, saying, hey, you know, him owning multiple businesses and a comment being me, like, why are you own so many multiple businesses? It's that should be the norm as opposed to the outlier, as opposed to saying, hey, I got some Gucci shoes or Gucci shades or. Of course, uh, Future, you know, has a popular lyric scene talking about Gucci flip-flops. It's like, okay, it's the same, they use the same material essentially and they just, you're buying a name. That's all you're really doing, you're just buying a name. So, if you can get a nice dress or a nice, you know, suit or a nice pair of shoes by a company that actually wants your dollar, then invest that in them. And then... Not only buy it, but promote it for them. And then just it becomes a domino effect of, of cycling. And just recycle your dollar with people that want to do it. You know, but to continue to support these brands that don't really care that much about you, it's just, it's pointless. You know, Nick Cannon actually did something really interesting where someone posted a photo, and I think he posted it of himself about him being in whiteface, and someone tried to say that was reverse racism. And it's it's pretty, you know... It's, it's pretty much nonsense. And how uh, Nick then came back and then posted a photo of Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, and Sarah Silverman in blackface makeup. And these are people who we considerably like a lot. I don't remember if all three of them were doing skits. I don't know the overall context as to why they were wearing that. But well, Nick Cannon did was the same thing. He was doing a, a, doing a comedy bit. But, but that element is there. Uh, a lot of times when you end up holding a mirror to someone and they end up seeing something that is not favorable to someone they like, they, they'll find ways to uh, excuse or dismiss that if they like. If you have nuance and context to everything, then you're, you're able to then weigh the pros and cons of each situation and you can navigate through that. But a lot of times people get just caught up on once their mind's made up on the topic, they're just sticking to that. But I do think Nick Cannon raised some really great points because it is a true thing that you have to look at. One, monetizing what you do culturally and how they do it in the sense of how they make money. So, but for say someone like T.I. in particular, you know, he's always been kind of vocal on a lot of these matters. And man, you know, I think it's, it's something that should be commended moving forward. So. Those are just some of the thoughts I have on that situation. I know there's going to be more information and more details coming out on how both companies plan to respond. But 
those are just some of the things I wanted to touch on. But I'm going to transition into talking about the NBA. I know I haven't had a chance to really kind of touch up on it uh, in a while. But um, I just wanted to kind of address the uh, EA trade deadline. Uh, it was a really interesting one. You, you saw mostly minor moves made for the most part. I know uh, Gasol went to the Raptors, uh, Marcus All. And then you had uh, Miritich, he got traded to the Bucks. And then you had, you know, a trade with Philly that had Tobias Harris go there to, to them. So they're more of a stacked team. And it, and it keeps up the interest. Obviously, Anthony Davis stayed put. They did not trade him. But, you know, I think overall, I mean, no one was really expecting that. I think they probably did leak a lot of information to make the Lakers look bad, which is kind of dumb. Because, you know, anyone that follows basketball, and I've had the opportunity to kind of touch on this with D. I'm looking forward to talking about it with him more, but... You know, the Pelicans are a terribly ran franchise. They got two NFL people now working there that a basketball person reports to. It just doesn't make any sense. What's next? You know, Danny Ainge is going to be running the Patriots and Bill Belichick reports to him like that. No one would do nothing like that that's competent and vice versa. But, you know, it sucks when you see bad teams just waste you know, generational talents. Like for Zion Williams, like if I'm the lead, I don't want him going to Chicago and they're a large market because their organization is terrible. I don't want him going to Cleveland. They're a small market, but their organization was terrible. If you told me Zion Williams was going to get drafted, say, by the San Antonio Spurs, it's like, okay, well, that has a good chance because they're actually a well-ran organization. They mess things up with Kawhi Leonard, but hey, overall, they know what they're doing for the most part. The Knicks, ironically, are interesting because it seems like they're starting to kind of course correct what they're doing. So, you know, if he were to end up there, that'll be fine. You know, I, I don't think it helps the league when you have generational towns go to bad organizations. Milwaukee's a small market that ran really well. Oklahoma is a small market that ran really well. Boston's a big market that ran really well. The Sixers are a big market and they're running really well. You know, but people keep coming up with all this, you know, oh, it's about the, the small market teams are farm systems now. I'm like, they give you more control over a great player in the NBA than they do in the NFL. You get that easily. In the NFL, you get, if you're a first round pick, you get four years with the fifth year option. It's pretty much set up in the NBA that off your rookie deal, they set you up to sign the extension and they keep you for the first seven sometimes eight years of your career. That's essentially what they do. You know, you get them for seven to eight years. If you can't do nothing with them, that's your problem. You know, I, I never understood that. The Minnesota Timberwolves, they're terrible too. You max out Carl Anthony Towns and you max out Andrew Wiggins. There's nothing about Wiggins' game that says he's a 20-something to 30-something million dollar a year player. He's not a max player. He's really good, but he's not a max player. But they paid him because they drafted him. And I don't understand that. You draft them, you, you draft them, you assess the talent, you look at their projections and how they're growing, and then if you don't see the kind of growth that you want that's going to justify paying them, then don't do it. People keep bagging on the Knicks. The Knicks did a good job with Chris Stapps. He showed some good flashes, and then he got injured. They didn't go to the playoffs with him. And he didn't want to be there. Did they finesse it and make it seem like, oh, he didn't want to be there from the jump? Yeah, to a certain degree. 
But they've been having issues now for easily for about a year and a half. This is nothing new. It's been there since Phil Jackson. I think it just shows you on, on the difference between bigger markets and small markets that someone like New Orleans, they're going to hold on for dear life because it's this one incredible thing and they're going to hold on. The Knicks was like, oh, you don't want to be here? They got on the phone with the Mavs. They traded them. They got two first-round picks, and they got back a really good guard who they should have drafted in Dennis Smith Jr. anyway, and they got a bunch of cap space. They got off the Hardaway contract, you know, and Courtney Lee. Now, Hardaway, I believe, was signed by Steve Mills, which I don't agree with that made sense, but then again, Phil Jackson signed Courtney Lee. So that's a they kind of canceled each other out, but... And now, you know, you, you kind of got the buyout market kind of coming in. And now I know the Lakers have an open roster spot. Uh, if Markeith Morris is healthy, I'm pretty sure they'll probably end up going with Markeith Morris over Carmelo. I don't think it would be good to have Carmelo on the Lakers team right now with all the stuff that's been going on with them. But, you know, if you're a Lakers fan and people are complaining about the trade deadline, if they went 11-6 without LeBron, they wouldn't have been talking about trading for Anthony Davis. They wouldn't even want to rock the boat. It wouldn't. So those are just some of the thoughts I had on that. Um, I really want to do a, a, another fuller talk on the NBA, and I want to do it with D. So uh, those are just some of the thoughts I have. I want to especially thank D for all the work he's been doing on the show. Uh, he works really hard to put out this content for our channel. Thank you guys for, for supporting us. Definitely continue to like, share, follow, support us, and become a, a patron. Again, I'm your host, Jonathan Still, Thank you for listening. Could you be more specific? Continue to follow the Stay Well podcast. Looking forward to doing more of these shows in the future. And I hope you guys have a good one.